Roger. Yeah, I think he's pulling the wrong one. I'm just... Okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit uh, left in me. Okay, don't hold it quite so tight. Okay. Hi! Welcome to the podcast. This is how it's going to start. Save it for the podcast, right? Is it better? Okay, yes. Water. There's two little ones. I hope that's okay. Are we live? We're live. We're already live. For real? We're for real live already. No, for real. Yeah, for real. We're not live live. We're not broadcasting, but... Oh, Hi, David. So, wait. So, wait. Are you, uh, hey, David, David, a first-time caller, long-time listener. It's uh, Johnny Pemberton here with David Kegner. David, are you there, David? Just testing you out. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so, so. I'm listening. I'm listening. We're here. We're here. We're live. We're, everything's Hold great. Hold on. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on. Johnny. Yeah? Yeah, what's up? Um... I'm an older person, as you know. I understand that, but that's relative, too. So I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I understand. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, either. Okay. Um, I I do believe... What I have... I have uh, gone back and (laughs) um, calculated when I stopped watching any important series television to when our twins were born. Okay. Which was when? 12 years ago. 12 years. So anything that has happened important... Television-wise, right. for the last 12 years, I've missed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Among those things, of right. course, right. are it's podcasts. Also, my career? <laughs> no, I like your career. Right, but it is Which it we're going to get to in a minute, unless, you, unless your listeners have already heard it. Pardon me. They've I'm going to burp throughout this. That's We like that. So, Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, man. I have not heard your podcast. You don't have to. Um, but I just also want to add this. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to anyone's podcasts yeah. regularly. And that's not um, out of opposition to anyone's podcast. I understand completely. It, it only has to do with time. There's only so much time. and If I'm in my car, right, I'm listening to the news. Right. What kind of news are you listening to? CNN and MSNBC. CNN has M- a radio station? M- it, <laughs> they do? Since what's the what channel is CNN on radio? <laughs> Johnny, I don't know if you're fucking with me right now. I'm not fucking with you. You don't listen to CNN? Not on the radio when I'm driving. How do you do? You listen? Uh, it's a thing called Sirius. See, I don't have Sirius. Okay. I don't. I don't do. I don't have Sirius. Man. Have you ever heard of MSNBC? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it stands for MS National Broadcasting Channel. 
okay. corporation. But, but the voice that happened less than a minute ago right? is not the voice you normally broadcast in. Well, it's, it's we're all over the map here, kind of. We can do that. We can get we can get into something like, like this. Like right now, or you sound like this, and I bet you sound real good like this. I don't know. I always sound good. But you sound real good, like butterscotch on a hot pan. Now, what, are you talking about, are you melting a butterscotch candy on a hot pan? Yeah, butterscotch candy on a hot pan. Are you, are you using any oil? Well, I would let the oil from the butterscotch extrude onto the pan and create its own oil, much like bacon doesn't need oil. Bacon doesn't need oil, but no. butterscotch is a hard candy that I, does, I, I do not believe contains an oil. But it's hard at, at regular room temperature. I think when you bring up that temperature, you're going to extrude some oil from there. No, you're, you're, you're definitely going to melt it, but uh -huh. it's going to stick to the pan. Now, a cast iron skillet is my guess. Yeah, you it got might it. be easiest to extract it from that thing, but there are, are miracle things on television that will tell us that nothing will stick to it. My only question, Johnny Pemberton yeah. was, which effing voice am I going to be hearing? Or is it going to be multiples? You're going to hear this one, but we can also just be like this. I'll take what you give. Um, tell me my friend's name and the, uh, our engineer. Our engine is our, our engine is Brendanier. Brendanier. <laughs> I just said our. I just mixed up the words. I meant to say our engineer is Brendan. Brendan last name. Salmon. And you just found out. His middle name is Josh. And you just found that out? Yeah, because I didn't... How many years have you known him? Mm, maybe a year and a half. I just... Hey, John, can I suggest something? Go ahead. Get to know people. Okay, so you mean like middle names? Whatever might find, be interesting to them. Right. Okay, first of all, apologies for being late. It's okay. It's already, uh, it's already uh, water off the bridge's duck. The duck's bridge. Back's, back of the duck's... <sighs> If a duck's going under a bridge, the water that it hits that duck's back from the bridge, it's off it. So the is the bridge flooding? It's a wet bridge, you know. It's probably raining. And Do you listen to Eckhart Tolle? Um, I don't listen to him. I've, I'm familiar with. Okay, so that's something that he references. Really? That when ducks get in fights, <laughs> uh, they shake the, their backs. They do, okay. Which... Uh, relieves them of any water they've been holding on their backs. Right. They shake it off, and it's over. And the the the, the point of Eckhart Tolle's mm -hmm. uh, example is that's what we can do too. Right. Something happened. Mm -hmm. It might be a conflict. We have the ability to relieve ourselves of that thing, mm -hmm. or as humans do, hold on to it. It darkens your soul. It Festers. Dar it darkens your mind. It can fester. All those things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't know if we're far afield of where we're going to start, but my guess no, is... No, that's a great... That's actually weird. a great thing. That's not far afield at all. I love that. I love hearing that. I really do. And I'll tell you this. So you and I were on the same flight. Do you remember the city we were heading to? Uh, I think we are heading back to Los Angeles. I thought we were going somewhere. Were we heading back? I think we were. I'm pretty sure. Because but you were... Uh, you mentioned that. I remember thinking like, oh, you got You want to get home because you have a big family that yeah. you haven't seen because I think you were just doing a, a show on the road. Yeah. I'm trying to think where we were coming from. Was it, it wasn't Minneapolis. It was maybe. Um, it was far enough. God, when was this? Was this 
I don't I'm, even know. Honestly. I'm going to say four months. So maybe five. Maybe it was uh, North Carolina or something like that. Out east. Okay. Yeah, you because you were in like I think you were in Greensboro or something like that, right? Um, nope. But out east, regardless. Yeah, I was coming back. From, I had finished my tour and I was flying home, and I think you had just finished doing a show as well. Regardless. Mm-hmm. And you said, "Hey, did you say? Did you call me Dave or Kector? I think I said." Kechner. Of course. I'll always respond to Kechner. It's a great last name. Because uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But you said, hey, Dave, I probably wouldn't have turned around. Mm-hmm. But you said Kechner with the correct mispronunciation of my right. last name. I'm like, oh, somebody knows me. I turn around. I see JP. Now, what's your middle name? Dejarnet. God damn it. Can I curse on this? You can curse all the fucking what you want. Dejarnet. Yeah. Have you already covered this in your in your broadcast? Not specifically, not the way that we're covering it now. What is Desjarnet? It's just a, it's an old French word, I guess. There's no guessing to well, this. Well, it's a French word. Okay. It is French. Uh, I don't know if it has any intrinsic meaning. It doesn't mean like uh, the time you go to talk or the quickest way downtown. It just is a it's a name. As far as I know, I've I've looked up as much as I can about it, and I don't know anything more about it other than it's, I think it's French Huguenot. He's going double French, gang. Now, the Huguenots <laughs> are mentioned, are referenced in Shakespeare. I forget which play. If I was really a student of literature, I mm-hmm. would know exactly who the Huguenots are. Huguenots were. They were a ruling family who I'm sure did awful things to people. Probably. And tell me again, Desjarnet? Desjarnet. Desjarnet. Yeah. And you never at any point asked your parents, hey. I have asked them about it, but they don't have a whole lot to offer. They're vague? Their their sense of heraldry is kind of minimal. (laughs) Heraldry instead (laughs) of um, etymology. Right, because it, is it etymology is more like the meaning of a word where heraldry is like the, the um, celebration. Is that what it is? Well, I'm 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 grasping like yourself. Hark, hark! Herald the angels are singing. Deja not. <laughs> now, are you Josh? Right? Is it Josh? What is it? It's Jason. Jason. Yeah. Right, I got a J right. <laughs> Jason, um, you have uh, access to the internet out there, right? As, so do as, I right here, too. It, I'm not going to ask you. You're not going to do it. Well, why not? Okay, but pay- go, let's, have, let's have Brennan do it. Who? Jason. I, is he working for you? Yeah, sort of. We're all here together, yeah. It's sort of or it's not. Yes. He's working for you. Yes. Then you're not going to look it up. Go ahead and have him look it up. I think he's probably doing a better job than me. I can't. He doesn't work for me. <laughs> Right now, we, we, we're recording together, so it's sort of like... He does not work for me. Only you <laughs> have the ability to give him this charge. Do you know how to spell it at all? Here we go, Heraldry. How to spell my middle name or Heraldry? Oh, wait, gosh, darn. No, Heraldry's not the thing we're looking for. Put my glasses on. Oh, put it back to Heraldry. A system by which coats of arms and other... Armorial bearings are devised, described, and regulated. Armorial bearings or other heraldic symbols, colorful ceremony. Now, I will tell you this, and uh, I try to be aware of the greater intricacies of language. 
Memorial is not one I know. Do you? It sounds to me like it's part of armor, because I see the word armor in there. So maybe armorial is like of and pertaining to armor. No. Are you being polite, or you absolutely knew what that word meant? No, I did not know what it meant, but I sort of, um, I, I would say I surmised it from the uh, context and the, um, the root word. Okay, what was your first foreign language you learned in school? Uh, it was French. French. Uh, one of the Romance languages. Right. Oui. Uh, 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 <laughs> I didn't need that. <laughs> Latin is the one we all should know. Right. Well, the word we're still looking for is? My middle name, Desjarnet. Do you need to spell it for? Yeah, I'm just going to have to spell it. Here we go. Do you go. need to spell it for Jackson? Jackson, it's spelled D-E. Oh, there, there it is right there. Now, Jackson, you know He's that was it. a mispronunciation of your name on purpose. Because it's the lowest form of comedy in which the person goes, bah, 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 Now, what's your name? And I'll keep changing it. Okay, do we have it? There we have we have it up here. It's up. Desjarnet. It is capital D E uh-huh. followed by a capital J. Right. A R N E T T E. Would you, Johnny Pemberton? Oh cool, eugenics. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I love to be You gotta read the rest of it. He was a vocal proponent of eugenics. We got to. Well, they're talking about one. Well, so we don't have Desjarnet. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jerry. If you go back to the top, so they're only talking about one person. The most famous Desjarnet is Joseph Spencer Desjarnet uh-huh. uh, from 1866, director of Western State Hospital, oh, in Virginia. Oh, five, about mm-hmm. vocal proponent of eugenics, especially the compulsory sterilization, Jesus Christ, the compulsory sterilization of the mentally ill. Lord in heaven, please go on. Um, uh, we'll scroll uh, it. Joseph. Uh, uh, Joseph Desjardins was born in Carolina County, Virginia. Parents, Elliot Hawes and blah, 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 blah. Evelyn May, Magruder Desjardins. Okay. Ma, 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 ma. Uh, he married because Mary Man was necessary for career advancement. Oh, oh, so she had there. to marry up. She was probably uh-huh. brighter than him. Probably. Okay. Hmm. Uh, this might be boring to you, but it's fascinating to us. I, I, I gotta say, all right, we're done with this. Yeah, um, I think it's so. In in our uh, exploration of Desjardins, it turned out to not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> eugenics for our listeners, dear listeners, you know what eugenics? Mean. Yeah, it means culling the herd. In in in. Animal husbandry. Which you know something about? A little bit. Yeah. I grew up in a very small town in Missouri. Tipton. Yes, Tipton. You've done some research. Well, also, I, I believe you've... You, I've heard you uh, speak talk, say that word before. In my show. And it's easy to remember, Tipton. Thank you. It's a nice... It sounds like tip of the hat. You know what? We got a couple of uh, consonants in there. Uh-huh. We're fine. We move past it. Tipton. So, in animal husbandry, right. or in... The propagation of food. Right. What you don't keep feeding is the lowest form of animal. A sick animal. Yes. A lame animal. You euthanize it, uh-huh. which then becomes the word. Uh, the, the root word would be eugenics, uh-huh. which means get rid of the thing that does not further uh, your purpose. Mm-hmm. 
So, old Joe DeJarnette was all for getting rid of the mentally ill. Right. And, and here's what we don't know. What's his definition of the mentally ill? I, I bet it was a, probably, uh, I bet he wasn't that liberal about it. Uh, my guess is he didn't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, at that point, it probably would have been those misunderstood. Yeah, or maybe people who, like, talk too loud or, like, people who, like— Didn't conform. Didn't conform. People who like to wear—maybe not wear shoes on Sunday could yeah. be mentally ill. Did you see the latest Predator? Yes. Okay. I've had this theory for years, and I was so happy that they introduced this theory in a very— popular movie. The idea that those that we call or label mm -hmm. autistic right. or different thinkers right. are actually the forward thinkers. They are the ones that will propel the mystery of humanity forward. Yeah, they're, they're like the next step in the chain, possibly. Uh, I, I agree with you. Next yeah. step, they may be the next several steps. Right. They are the ones we should look Two, mm -hmm. rather than relegating them to the sidelines or something that is misbehaving and has to be um, uh, somehow like toned down, brought into the mainstream. Right, they should be held up as the heralds, bringing Ooh. it all back. Um, Got to think of a new name. Uh, Jeremiah Jizzerly. I'll take Jeremiah. Okay. Jizzerly is a good one. I never heard Jizzerly. It's made up and is a little bit dirty. It sounds like jizz early uh -huh. or like like a gizzard. It's like a gizzard, but it, with a with a J. Yeah, and you know what, you know what gizzards are for? Uh, it's to break down the stuff, right? It has little stones in there and shit. Yeah, it, because uh, oftentimes the small bird will eat stone among the feed, and we don't want the stone oh. to to um, impede the progress of fattening the animal. Yeah. So it goes there. The gizzard breaks everything down. Uh, uh, it, it, it accepts the non-nutritional oh. element that the bird took in. So does that mean the bird's gizzard a lot of times will fill up? It will get, like, clogged or something with a lot of stones? That I don't know. Oh. You don't have to, like, clear a gizzard ever when you're growing up? People still eat the gizzard. It's it supposed is, to be good, right? Uh, no? D describe good. Uh, good for you. Like liver uh, or spleen or something That like I that. don't know. I know that I know that the liver has a lot of iron. Uh huh. I think we're all a little iron deficient. I feel like these days, we don't eat a lot of iron as people. All right. I don't think I eat enough iron. I take an iron supplement. I am willing to hear your argument. Well, my argument is that I think I don't eat a lot of. Uh, I eat a lot of spinach nowadays. That's got a good. That's a good source of yeah. iron. But also, I have a calcium. bowel issue, so I think I don't absorb stuff as have much. Have you talked about it on your podcast yet? Oh uh, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. And you're past it. I mean, we're not. It's it's a thing that's happened, and it's. Uh, Have you gotten rid of gluten? Um, no, I haven't. I spoke to a man on Monday mm -hmm. who had eliminated gluten from his life, right. and he had IBS, and it's gone. Well, see, that IBS is a little different. IBS is uh, irritable bowel yes. syndrome. Yes. Where I had something called IBD, which is uh, inflammatory bowel disease. So it's okay. a little different. But I mean, it probably couldn't hurt. To could be get rid could of be it. in the same family. It's similar, but one is a. Um, I want to get down to, to brass tacks. <laughs> it's a, one's a syndrome, one's a disease, which is like I guess the difference between like um, a sprain and a break. That's how I would describe it. Okay. One is um, 
um, not as severe and will heal on its own where there when it's something where it has to be intervened to correct. With medicine. Yeah. Because big pharma. I can't believe how much I sound like a fucking doctor right now. It's like my dad, who's a doctor. So I can't I, believe that you're not one. I can't believe I'm not one either. I should have. It's too late now to change course, I feel like. Because you got a good career. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a second. I like it. But I. I big I, pharma, though. I would. Um, Argue that if you change your diet, mm -hmm. uh, this could possibly uh, end. Yeah, I have actually been changing my diet pretty pretty radically, and it has helped a lot. Good. So, yeah, I'm all about the. Uh, I do not eat a lot of gluten. If I do, I usually have it when it's like been. Um, what's it called? Uh, when they when they sprout it, sprouted stuff. The sprouted stuff isn't is nearly as bad, and it's a lot. It makes you feel pretty good. Okay. Like the sprouted grain. Sure. The Bible, the Bible bread, Ezekiel. Now we're we're gonna. Well, I'm not ready to shift gears. You're in fifth gear already. I'll, 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 stay I'll go with there. You. I'll shift back down. What I'll gear go we, we talk. We still want to talk about gluten. I was gonna go to yeah. I was gonna go to GMO. Let's talk about it. Genetically modified food. Yeah. Which um, people blithely go along with whatever's cheap. They're cheap right. breads. Blah blah blah. Uh, gen genetically modified food is produced because it's easier yeah. and less resistant to different strains of disease. Or uh, uh, they're they're weather resistant, right? So it just grows. The best thing that grows uh, grows naturally without any modification, right? But as as larger economic forces have come to um, monetize food, they've decided to change it. And I think that's where, because uh, my your parents and my parents had never heard of gluten free. No, not at all. I think it's it's man made, doesn't exist, and will eventually end. Now, <clears throat> I don't know when this re revolution is going to happen, but I do believe. Now, Johnny, this is just something I'm thinking of right now. Uh -huh. This country could break down into city-states mm -hmm. the way that ancient Greece did. You mean like once there's sort of a, a supply line breakdown in terms of... Because um, that's what I've read a bunch about. There's this guy, Paul Roberts, wrote a book called End of Food. He talks about the uh, supply chain breaking down because it's so tenuous right now in terms Makes of... Makes sense. The, uh, the profitability margin is so tight that... And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. The profitability margin. The profitability margin is something that should never be part of the equation of the existence of your fellow man. Mm -hmm. And we've all been, um, I'll, I'll say, socialized or indoctrinated mm -hmm. into the belief of whatever is good big is good for me now. Yeah. And then we just take it. You, some, some believe that, um, I shouldn't mean some, some believe, there is a theory that with the advent of the interstate highway, go ahead. You were going to say something. I'm just no. I'm 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 with you. With the advent of the interstate highway, we did something where we broke down community, mm -hmm. and we broke down the thing that you and I are talking about right now: the viability of local grown food. Right. Local grown food is the best sustainable option for the people in that area. Right. Right? Yeah. And the idea of we must create a greater market is a falsehood. We must create a greater market for who? 
Well, to, it's more profitable. That's what for it comes who? down to. I think. Th- for who? I would say it's for the people who are selling. For it. who? The greedy. Yes. That was that was the best way to put it. It's true. All the three things I said. All we need is sustainability. Right. We need sustainability for small communities. Why would we have schools that have 1,200 kids? We, we can't teach them the way they need to be taught. Yes. The autistic, the, those on different ranges of ability to digest, those boys that are or girls that are otherwise wired and can't quite focus right. uh, for more than 10 minutes at a time and should be allowed to then go outside with whomever that has the greater patience to understand and help that person learn. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that the most important thing in this country, education? My argument is this. The starting salary for a teacher should be $75,000. It's not, though. I know, but it should be. (laughs) Yeah. If it was, guess what we would get? We'd have uh, people Amazing teachers. Yeah. And it would be the cause and the purpose of this country. It's not. What's a bomb cost? Um, give me another J uh, name. Uh, Jorgen. Jorgen? Yeah, Jorgensen. It's a last name, first name. Uh, is it Swedish or, or Norwegian? It's, uh, you know, it's a Scandi. Scandi. Uh, Jorgensen, what was I going to ask? Um, what's the cost of a bomb? Oh, Jor- Jorgensen, what is the average cost? What is the average cost of a bomb in the U.S. military? There's so many different types of bombs, but I... It's, I know. I'm just saying average cost. They're pricey. Right. One bomb could cover the salary mm-hmm. of a teacher. Yeah. That's a, that's a big problem that we have that's been going on for such a long time. It's one of those things where, oh, we got something here. We got something up here, yeah. here on the... Uh, He's quick. Oh, yeah. So then what, Adam Whatever bomb. his name is. Now, are we on How Adam? About, no, we don't want to do Adam bombs. I think okay. Moab's good because that's the, the mother of all bombs. That's like an actual bomb. One hundred and seventy thousand. So there you go. That's not that. That's that's almost three teachers. Well, I guess it's two and a half, right? And I don't know how many we have. There's a way to break this down, and I'm sure that somebody. Okay, for the life extension of the B sixty one bomb, it will undergo much more extensive modifications than the W seventy six, and this estimated price tag reflects this. It will cost. Eight billion to ten billion to refurbish four hundred to five hundred bombs. Those are atom bombs. Okay. Yeah. Twenty million dollars each. Yeah. Now, these are bombs that everyone in the world agrees we should never use. We're done with them. Why would we build them? Because I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that exactly. Multinational corporations. To secure their interests. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, is that your interest? No. Is it my interest? I hope not. My interest is local. Right. I want to make, I have, I want to make sure I have sustainable growth within the community that I live. And within the community that I live, I would like potholes fixed. Right. I'd like my mail delivered. I'd like to know my neighbor. 
I like to have sustainable products to build more onto my house or whatever and have a community that knows each other and we do civic-minded things that make the area that we live in better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the minute one guy decides he's more important than everybody else, we all quietly go, you know what? I think it's time to hold a small election. And you, sir, though your arguments are welcome, the majority of us don't agree. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. But, Johnny, what you're going to find is I don't have opinions. What do you mean you don't have opinions? I was kidding. Oh, okay. I thought maybe these were like sort of, you were saying these weren't opinions, you were saying these are facts. No, no. I'm not. Some are yeah. um, near facts. Let's, this, go, let's go back. I agree with yes, everything sir. you're saying here. I fully agree. And that's stuff that I think about a lot, too, and have been for a long time. Because I used to be really, really interested in the whole idea of peak oil and things like that, which is goes back to the supply chain and sustainability and all these things that you're talking about. But what I guess what I always – the snag I run into at some point is it's such a um, – there's so many aspects to what we're talking about. What do you think is the best place to start and the best way to the best best thing to put energy into in terms of making that type of thing uh, a more livable reality? Hemp. Growing hemp. Easily. Okay. Hemp is a weed. Right. Hemp will grow anywhere in any climate. Right. The number of products that can be created through this plant, hemp, and I'm not talking about THC. No, you're talking about? CBDs right. and also textiles, paper. Do you know you can make plastic bottles out of hemp? Wow. Now, it's too cost uh, um the, the ratio is... Yes, it, it can't off. work. Now, yeah. here's the other thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. There's absolutely zero reason to have a plastic bottle anywhere. Uh -huh. Plastic bottles should be outlawed. Don't you think we're a little, it's a little bit too late at this point? No, That's what I, I don't, always think about. I don't understand that. I guess what explain I mean to is... Me, that... to explain to me how it's too late. Well, okay, it's not too late to outlaw them, but what I what I always think is that in terms of plastic, we're sort of at the point now where we're not going to get rid of it. We can stop it yes, from being produced. Yes, we are. Produced. We have to. We have to get rid of it, but at this point, there's so much of it out there in it's the environment. Over. We have to find a way to— What if you and I decide right now—I'm sorry, I interrupted right. you. Finish your sentence. I was going to say that we have to find a way to have that plastic— destroyed or transmuted into something else. Okay, I can answer those things. Yeah. We don't have to destroy it, we should stop manufacturing it. Right. You think of everything that you use that is plastic in oh, your home. Well, we're surrounded by it right now. How much of it's necessary? Well, I mean, that's probably very little of it is actually necessary. But there's also the idea of, I mean, what is necessary, right? What's necessary is the sustainability of life. Right. Let's go back to the very beginning of it. Yeah. Sustainability of life is necessary. Mm -hmm. For me, number two is quality of life. Quality Sustain, of life. Quali quality, harmony, community. That's where I am. Mm -hmm. All right? How much of that involves oil? Oh, well, right now, currently, almost all of it. Okay, let's go back to the things I described. Right. Okay. Uh, 
sustainability, quality, I might have these wrong, community, yeah. and then what was my last one? Um, Taxon? Eugenics? Yeah. <laughs> I th- my point is this. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. True. But Imagine th- if we stopped using plastics. Now, the wires that are connecting us to all of these elements in this room. They're all coded. As far as we know, are, uh, are a necessary use of plastic. As far as I know. Uh-huh. I don't know that it might possibly also be made out of hemp. It could be. It could be. Now, if we didn't have any plastic bottles at all, wouldn't that reduce the price of my gas? It probably would, to some extent, but there's also the... I mean, that's a complicated one. How so? Because the thing with gas that I know about is that there's something called energy expended versus over-energy gained. So if it takes... It takes a gallon of gasoline to produce 10 gallons of gasoline. Maybe it's 20. There's a ratio. There's a magic number ratio. And if it falls below that ratio, if gas and oil becomes difficult to extrude, not not one to one, not even one to four, but like if it becomes like one to five, the profit, the, the amount of cost to get it out is too expensive to make it worthwhile to do. Then let's stop doing it. And which which case, then you have a full breakdown of the oil and gas industry. Good. Which I think is a, an eventuality. Yes. I think it's going to happen eventually, no matter what. So I guess that the where where we differ is I a lot of times a lot of times with the stuff now, I've taken a step back and I feel like what's going to happen is going to happen. It's gonna we're going to stop producing plastic bottles eventually because there's not going to be a way to do it. There's no way to sustain it. Yeah, it's not sustainable, so it will end. And it's a pollutant that is absolutely killing us. It is, but... Do we even get into the Texas size... Oh, the gyre? Yeah. Yeah, the gyre's out, but the gyre's out there. It's out there. It's not going anywhere until they find some sort of fungus that can consume Well, you know, there's a British company now that's going to start hauling it and... Reducing it. Really? Anyway. What are they going to do to it? Oh, they're going to start uh, uh, um, pulling it up. Okay. And where are they, they going to put it? Bail it. They're going to bail it? No, we don't even have time. Oh. And we don't have, um, shoot, the scientist. Ty. Tani- Ty. Ty. Ty guy. Our, our current resident brilliant scientist who had his PBS series. Oh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thank you. Yeah. I had a T in there. Tyson! That's, that's all I got. So, all right, we're far afield. I'll stop with that. Hey, it's Johnny Pemberton here telling you about ButcherBox. What is ButcherBox? They deliver 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. That's the good pork right there, heritage breed. All this completely free of antibiotics and hormones and fully cage-free and raised humanely. How it works is, is they deliver, it's basically a butcher that delivers to you super fresh, fresh frozen, right to your door, meat. And you can get all different combinations, all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, mix. You can customize it exactly to what you need. 
and it's it's a super it's an incredible value. Not to mention they have the absolute best bacon I've ever had in my entire life. It's it tastes like you know what it tastes like? It tastes like when I used to get bacon from the farm back when I was a kid in Minnesota. It tastes just like that, and it's the same because it basically is that fully uncured, nitrate-free, sugar-free bacon. And they send you bacon with everything unless you tell them not to. So what you got to do is go to butcherbox.com, okay? And you type in the promo code Johnny. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y. That's butcherbox.com slash Johnny and enter Johnny at checkout. For you, you get $20 off your first box and a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription, okay? That's butcherbox.com slash Johnny and enter Johnny at checkout. Johnny spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y. I'm telling you, this is how you do it. Let's move on to the other part. You want to talk about Credence real quick? Credence Clearwater Revival? Yeah, man. I want to talk about you and I in the airplane, okay. and it took four months to get this done. This is how it works, though. Yeah. I understand that. It's like, you know, you're like, it's like two ping pong balls, and this, once in a while, they, they We're busy. bounce and step. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did it. Are you working on anything cool right now you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> that was my Letterman thing. <sighs> hey, so you're uh Describe cool right now. <laughs> well, uh, in the past three weeks that you're excited about seeing what it looks like. You know what I mean? I'm doing stand-up, which I enjoy. Right. Do you do stand-up? I do. I'm oh, doing... right. You're out. Right. So you... But you've been doing that for... How long have you been doing stand-up Eight. for? Eight years. So, but you were... The bulk of my history has been in sketch and improv. Yeah. And then I get to a point, I have five kids. So mm-hmm. the viability of always maintaining uh, food on the table means I have to always have a job. Now, if I'm doing stand-up, that means I can always have a job. Because it's just you. So it's a side business. Right. So well, that's why you got into stand-up. Yeah. And do you like it a lot? I love it. Is it fun? Because that's something I technically started with improv and stuff like that. And it's something I got into stand-up. Not that long afterwards, but I really, I really do like it. But there's definitely sometimes it just isn't quite the same. Something about performing in a not like a non-stand-up scenario that there's so much more. I don't know how to describe it, but there's like a different set. This the the construct with stand-up sometimes can be a little bit uh, exhausting. Understood. Well, yeah. I, I describe it as your scene partner is the audience right. as opposed to your scene partner is on stage. That's a good way to describe it, actually. So your shows are they're not tr- super traditional stand-up kind Probably of Probably not. Um, I, I am not set-up punchline. I'm story. Right. Which I don't mind. And you pour, That's just what I do. You're pouring beers. <laughs> Or, I remember you poured beers. This is probably about 10 years ago. Oh, this is when I first started. Yeah. I was, uh, you know what? I was working out what my show would be mm-hmm. uh, locally. It was fun. I started with uh, Master of the House. Oh, what is that? Did you see it at UCB? I didn't see it. I saw you do like a set at a um, at UCB. It was something, okay. this is a while ago. But it was and something I had where you were. Eight mugs of beer. Yes. That's what it was. Eight and mugs of beer. I filled them with beer. Right. And I decided for that night in particular, that would be my opening. Uh-huh. There is a song from uh, Les Mis. Can we play it? And is play a, it. It's a bartender who is serving. What is the name of the song? 
Master of the house. Master of the house. Master of the house, doling out the charm, ready for a handshake or an open palm. Of course. Tells a saucy tale, makes a little stir. Customers appreciate a bon vivre. Everybody loves a landlord. So basically, he's here to entertain. You're here to get rid of your troubles. Let's enjoy. Right. So that was that. Are you a big musical person? No. But you do like Les Mis, though, huh? I love that song. Like that song? Yeah. But how, how did you get into just that song? Because I love it. But you must have seen Les Mis. Nope. How do you hear one song from Les Mis? <sighs> I've lived a life in show business, Johnny. But so you just, we were around it. I'm going to bring this song up right now because I want to hear it. for your, your version of it was great. But I want to hear this right now. Here it is. It's playing after this. Though, wait, or we can edit around it. Yeah, we'll edit around it right here after this stupid ad plays. I hope this ad plays. A new drama on ABC, streaming now and on demand. <laughs> here it is. Master of the House. Wakey, wakey. We're opening. Oh, this is with Helena Bonham Carter. She's singing it? Well, she's, I see her face. That's all I know. I don't think she's the master of the house, is she? Is that Sasha Baron Cohen? Yeah, he, what was this it, done? In the movie version. Oh, this is recently. Yeah. Right. Modern of dissolutes. Modern I think your version's better already. Always pissed as news. My sons of whores. No, 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 no. Not tonight. She offered him her breasts. Home in pigeons, home in they fly through my doors. This is miserable. And they crawl out on all fours. Daddy here. I get it. Hold on. Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. As for the rest, all of them crooks, rookings, guests, and cookies, and books. Seldom do you see honest men like me. Okay. Forget it. Not the way I do it. No, yours is a bit more bravado. I am inviting you to my place. Yes. You are here to relieve yourself of your troubles. I'm the master of the house. I'm going to tell you a story, or I'm going to listen to your story, and let's have a time. Let's have a drink. Right? Do you feel like, have you ever been to any places like that? Of course. Like an actual old-style inn like that? Yes. Many over the years. Where? Too many to recount. What's the last one you went to? You were like, wow. Wow, this is great. It's very... Going back to what we talked about initially, I feel like that's kind of a... a we need more of that, don't you think? Uh, I don't know. Everybody like needs a, what they need, and uh, you have to be careful with alcohol. I guess and, I mean more like a, like a... A place where you like feel welcome. Like a tavern. Like a... Uh, I believe they call it a pub. Sure, but I mean, place like, a, like a meeting house, or or perhaps sure, sure, mm -hmm. sure, sure, absolutely. But that's a cautionary tale as well. 
Right. We can lose ourselves in such places where we're not becoming the best of ourselves. Because it's just a good time Charlie's You're lying to yourself. Right. If I need to find myself by losing myself, I'm running away from who I might potentially be. Exactly. And so the greatest thing to do is find out exactly what my purpose is and then move toward it. And that's the hardest thing I find for humans. We all have a purpose. Some are angels. Some are workers. Some are demons. We have to find out who we are and simply do that thing and not worry about affecting everybody else. Mm -hmm. We all want to be the boss. You can't be the boss. Even the boss can't be the boss. The boss can only be himself, make decisions, and hope that people agree with, yes, we all agree that person has made the right decision. Therefore, I'll follow that. Do you think you found that? When did you figure that out? When, when's that something, when's that, when did that idea become like a, something very I'm clear still looking. To you? But you're still looking, but you feel like you're... I have five children, so... As time goes on, you 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 strive to understand what your responsibility is to life that you created. Uh-huh. You you strive to find out what your responsibility is to the spouse you have mated, and then like you and I in show business, we try to find out our responsibility to what our voice is, and not control what it says, but allow it. I like that. Responsibility to what your voice is and not not try to control it, but... Or obstruct it. Obstruct it. Just so to you, be. You sort of mean like, let the light shine. Be in the light. Be in the light. But what about shining your light? Is that up to us? I don't know. I've, sometimes I feel like... If I go, if I feel like uh, confused or whatever, I just gotta be like, oh, you know what? I just gotta just gotta shine my light. If that's what works. Yeah. But uh, in this particular discussion that we're having, okay. If I decide to shine my light, that might involve ego. It might. I feel like you are shining your light just by your presence. Then that is for me to remain in the light. Okay. And be that. You could, I guess you could be in the light and shine your light simultaneously. You can. Is that something, that's a sort of a Christian philosophy, isn't it? Uh, I don't necessarily ascribe to a man-made, uh, a.k.a. religious uh, determination right. of my thought. But you do feel, you do find some value in certain religious things, right? It's a very broad question. I guess I mean, uh, do you find... There are purposeful ideas Mm -hmm. within religious texts and teachings that are sometimes enlightening. Right. By and large, I personally find that the larger instructional portions of text are contaminant to what the simple purpose of a human is. Ooh, that's well said. Contaminant to what a simple purpose of a human is. I think I understand you completely. You're saying there's a lot there, lot there that's good, 
but there's also a lot there that can be confusing and cause... Well, they're there for a reason. They're there mm -hmm. for manipulation. Right. I'll give you an example. If the Christ says one thing, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, why do we need any, any further text? I don't know, because that, that's, uh, I, would, I would say, devil's advocate, I would say that something that simple needs uh, possibly explanation in, How? In, 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 through example. How so? Because um, I think some person could think, interpret that in different ways. How so? Because what, how I want to be treated, treating someone else how I want to be treated might, um, we have different, we, we each have different ways we want to be treated. How so? Well, some people want to be spanked and some people want to be kissed. That's fine. Uh-huh. You find someone else that wants to be spanked. Right. I'm not, I'm not uh, disagreeing with you. I'm more just... I love to... the devil's advocate. Yeah. I'm saying at its base premise, it's pretty infallible. You're right. Getting, you're getting a phone call. Getting a phone call from if, a scammer. If you want to determine that this is over because I have offended your religious... <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, you. as an example, Right. that's a pretty infallible statement. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. I have. I, I think it's great. I remember seeing some friend of mine post something on Facebook years ago, being heavily critical of that and just being like, what's wrong with you? Because I was trying to say what he was saying, and I just, it doesn't make sense to defend that, to, sorry, to, not to defend it, but to say, to play devil's advocate against that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me unless you get really specific and nitpicky, and it's like a thing where... Uh, obviously, there's going to be differences in all kinds of stuff. If you don't so, mind my saying, mm -hmm. why would you have to defend something that's indefensible? Well, I'm not defending it. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> the thing I typically try to ascribe to is something known as the Socratic method. Okay. Which is to simply ask a question. So this person went on a diatribe for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah, he might be suffering from a manic episode, uh -huh. or he has found that he must reject his Christian roots that he was forced upon. Right. So he's chosen that one to take on. I think that's usually the case. Okay. And that's none of our business. Uh -huh. So all we can offer is this, again, which I believe to be somewhat infallible. All I can offer you is the idea of acceptance and love. Mm -hmm. All I can say is, I hear you. That's it. I don't have to say, I hear you and I disagree. All I can say is, I hear you. Thanks for sharing your opinion. Now, if that person then continues on and says, do you believe me? Mm -hmm. Then I can say, believe what? <laughs> do you believe what I said? What did you say? I said that uh, this doesn't make sense because everyone's different. So how can you apply a, such a broad stroke to everyone and everything they say and do? How did I apply a broad stroke? Well, you think it's what I said is bad. So you you definitely did. Did I ever say that you were bad? You didn't say well. You you implied it by by saying against what I said is the thing that, that everyone's doing. How did I imply it? Well, because you didn't see you obviously if you, you don't agree with me, then that means you're against me. Did I? 
ever say I didn't agree with you? No, but, 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 ah! What's the first thing I said to you? <laughs> I accept what you said, and I offer you love. I hate myself. Okay. That's what would go down to, I think. That would okay. Be the, that would be the end of that argument. Why do you hate yourself? Um, this isn't me speaking. I'll, I know I'll that. We're, we're still doing our... Right. Yes. Well, I just don't like myself because um, I'm struggling with uh, my career, and I find it hard to... I'm comparing myself to others. I really did think the whole show was going to be done like that. Well, we can always go back and make it that way. <laughs> And now you can be that way too if you want to. It's all I do find it freeing to speak this way because it makes me feel like I'm like a munchkin in a different land, and I feel sort of like I can say whatever I want because I'm just a little little guy running around looking at things as opposed to being myself. You're filled with innocence. Can I ask you a serious question about yes. this? So, in terms of like uh, acting and performing and that stuff that you do. Do you find that you enjoy it so much because it's a, it's it's sort of it's like a thing where you are get to leave your body and leave who you are and be something else in the moment of performing? That's a great idea. Um, I've never I've never thought of it in that in those terms. I will say it brings me great joy, and I uh, can only assume that's my purpose. So how do you deal with the deal with the uh, obviously performing is I find it to be the most joyful thing that exists Agreed. in the moment it's like this it's like a lightning strike you just can't you can't beat it nothing better so if that's the case is there's like this thing I always think where if that's how I feel about it, then that's all I want to be doing. It's like a, I'm like a drunk, and I, I just want to—it's it's my alcohol. So if that's the case, then how do you, how do you meet, how do you measure that and make it so it's something that's sustainable and you get enough of it, and without. Because obviously you can't live in that all the time. It's not a moment that you can just constantly be living in. Can you keep working toward it? I suppose so, but is is there an end game? Do you think, or is it there's there isn't an end game? There there's no point at which it'll it'll never be enough. You'll never grow right. tired of it. Right. So it's basically so, just it's just what you do until well, you can no longer but, do. But, but to say it will never be enough might imply that. You covet something that's unattainable. Uh-huh. And if we are to um, live presently mm -hmm. in the moment, and for people like you and me, whatever our purpose on this thing that's a planet that may or may not even exist, right? because it could possibly only be an advanced video game. <laughs> That's what we're designed to do. Is just do that thing. Yeah. And you just do it, and you live in the moment, and you experience it, because all you can do is that. And one could argue that we are being of service. Exactly, being of service. How, how do you describe that, the service thing, service aspect? Um, that, that's, I think, is something that's really important, and I think it's easy to overlook. I feel like I overlook it a lot. Well, forget if, if, that. If we um, remove the idea of um, 
money and um, status. Status, my favorite words to hate. And um, everything that goes along with those things fractionally. And our simple desire is to be present, listen, and then, for some reason, the way you're created and I'm created is to relieve that person's burden in the smallest way possible. You mean Without the, ego. Right. You mean the people who are watching the performance, essentially, the audience. Anyone that's in front of us. Anyone that's in front of us. That's a good point. I, I don't think you and I can exist otherwise. Yeah, you would turn to dust. What was the last part? You turn to dust. Tur turn, turn to dust? I think I would turn to dust. Oh, we will eventually. Eventually, yeah. Right. But it happened maybe immediately. Well, I would be really impressed to see that combustion in that you felt like you've done everything you could, and you went poof. And I'm like, wow, I was the person that saw it. <laughs> I would love to be able to turn to dust for you right now, David Kegner. <laughs> but I can't. Well, you were, uh, you started in Chicago. Yes. Studying at Improv Olympic, and you worked with Del Close, right? Yeah. The I.O., I did Del Close, and I did uh, the Second City simultaneously. When you were doing that, I mean, I mean, you probably talked about this a whole bunch, and there's all kinds of stuff, but is there something from that era that was like, you felt like was, uh, you took away that you've never really forgotten, that was really special? Yeah, that it's important. What, what is important, exactly? Comedy. Okay, really? Yeah. So you mean like, it's not, that's actually a really good one. It's not some sort of flippant... No. What do you call it? Um... Here's what Dell would say. Mm -hmm. Treat your, your, your audience as poets and artists... And then they have the opportunity to become them. Ooh. Never look at the audience with disdain or look down on them or blame them. It's never their fault. Yeah. That's a thing that happens all the time, and it's always really hard to watch when you see a comedian getting really down on the audience. Like, ah, oh, these people suck. Oh, God. They're it's like, no, they don't. They're people. Yeah. It's like, how, how is it their fault <laughs> exactly? Mm-hmm. But it's it's so common to see that, especially in the stand-up world. It's very much like, let them have it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be our thing. It doesn't. But it ends up being that stuff. Always ends up coming back around. I guess. Well, you'd say. and that's where they're going to come back to see you because you don't do that. I try not to. Sometimes in my in a you know you hit a negative patch and you, sure. you tend to do that, but then sure. you pull out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I do feel like, in a weird way, people do. I don't know how to say this, but people like to be not abused, but they want to be sort of like, like pushed a bit. Are you talking about hecklers? Or are you talking about a whole audience? Whole audience, like they want to be challenged. Well, a lot I, of times. I hear you, and and, and uh, I would think that depends on the performer they're going to see. Right. Um, I, I, my guess is performers could. Uh, come to see you or me, they're not necessarily looking for that. Yeah. I guess I mean, like, in terms of anytime I've done colleges, the, the seems to be the the best thing that happens is when you're sort of not really safe and not really um, 
uh, super appropriate because it's like they don't want to see someone who is being just towing the line. They want to see someone who's going to say, oh, this place, look at that. That's This place is stupid. Right, because <laughs> they feel like a... they're living in a very controlled environment. Right. And they're looking for a rebel. And Abby Hoffman, look it up, someone to show them the path of something else. Right. Now, that doesn't mean we have to be dirty. That oh, doesn't yeah. mean we have to be uh, anti-establishment. It means we have to be uh, aspirational. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think it's fun to be... I guess what I mean is being kind of sacrilegious or in sure. terms of... Sure, sure, not, not so much about religion, but more just Understood. like... It's fun to... If you're like a clown, you get to say stuff that right. no one else gets to say. and you get A harlequino. Yeah, and you don't die right. because of it. Right. That's why I've, when I watch you perform, I feel like you get a lot of that, where it's this thing where there's this... It's a very... Um, so there's like a spirit there that's very um, untethered. Well, I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. Well, I, th- you know, I, I am untethered. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly who I am. I, I am on a quest. I am on a journey. Some people know exactly who they are, or they think they do. Yeah. But I believe there's always more potential for more growth. Always. And the best days I have are when I grow, one way or the other. When's the last time you feel like you had like a real breakthrough like that? Uh, my wife and I read this book called The Five Love Languages. Okay. And we've been married for 20 years. And she's been at me for several months to read it. And you read it. So because I am a man, and men tend to be oppositional, and that's uh, by design of our DNA. Okay. We oppose things because we want to protect what we've created. Got it. I must oppose the world in a certain way, be on guard, if you will, to make sure that whatever I've created can be sustained. That's oppositional. And sometimes I'm oppositional to myself to reinforce the idea of, like, am I making the right decision? So, anyway... Read the five love languages, and it makes the relationships so much better. Check it out. Five love languages. I'm going to check that out for uh, sure. I'm not even being corny. No, or I know. I can tell you're not. It is. Uh, everyone has a different one. Sometimes you have one or two. My wife responds to compliments and uh-huh. touch. So if I tell my wife early in the morning, sweetheart, you look great. Changes her day. Later in the day, I come up behind her, give her a nice hug, and say, you know what? I like everything about you. Changes her day. I'm going to take a quick break, David. Uh, I'm going to pee in the corner. Okay, let's go pee together. Okay. Quick break. Master of the house. <laughs> no. What is that hat? Uh, this hat is uh, from The Big Slick, which is a charity I do every year with Rob Riggle, Paul Rudd, Jason Sudeikis, Eric Stone Street, and myself. We have about 20 celebrity friends come to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. We uh, do a celebrity softball game at Royal Stadium, Kauffman Stadium. And then the next morning, we all go visit the kids at Children's Mercy Hospital. Our, our money that we uh, raise goes to the oncology department to okay. help cure uh, childhood cancer. When's the next one? Uh, June. Uh, I'll invite you. I'd love to go. Okay. And then uh, 
The next morning, we do the same thing, go visit the kids. Right. Then we have this bowling tournament kind of thing where people pay a lot of money to bowl with celebrities. Bowling's outstanding. Right. And then that night, we have a big uh, party, and we uh, raise a ton of money through auction. Last year, we raised $2.5 million. Wow. So, what yeah. kind of stuff are you selling on the auction? Uh, I don't know. Stuff. <laughs> stuff. How, how did that get started? Did you start that? No. Because uh, Sudeikis is from Kansas City, right? Sudeikis is from Kansas City. Rudd's from Kansas City. Riggle's from Kansas City. Uh, Stone Street's from just outside of Kansas City. Okay. I'm from uh, central Missouri. My sisters are all from Kansas City. And I live in Kansas City now. My wife's from Kansas City. And I've known these guys forever, so they also, you know, I'm a loud mouth. Yeah. And so, like, give kick to the microphone. Let's keep this thing moving. And so that's how I became a host. So who started that up? I, I, well, you know, Riggle's very um, humble. Yeah. And he would say, oh, no, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Riggle. So does he have a connection to that sort of thing? Is that like a... Cause oh, usually, usually I feel like most charities is something where... Oh, you have like a personal reason? Yeah. Like, no, uh, don't know exactly what happened. When you have him on your podcast, you can ask him that much. I'll that have question. He'll have a better answer than I will. Yeah, because I feel like that's something that people don't... I mean, I don't know, it's such a... Not hackney, but it's charity is something that I, it just gets overlooked so much because people, like we talked about at the beginning, just this, the, the greed factor, yeah. especially in Los Angeles, you see so much of that. It's just, I find it to be, lately I find it to be almost overwhelming, the fact that, just the disparity. I think a lot of people don't realize this, but I remember talking to some person from New York who was visiting, and they said they had trouble being in L.A. because... The disparity of wealth is so visible. It's not as visible in New York because I think there's a lot of um, what they do with the homeless there is maybe they, they ship a lot of people to fucking Jersey and stuff. They do like not not very good things, but it has the effect of you don't see as much of it as you do here. Yeah, they're doing it everywhere. It's, it's um, it goes back to what we've been talking about the yeah. whole time: service. Why aren't we taking care of humans? Yeah, it's really strange. It's, it's a strange thing I that mean, we don't do. Let's go back to bombs. <laughs> What's it take? These mm -hmm. people are all mentally ill. People aren't on the street out of choice. Uh -huh. By and large, they are suffering from some type of illness. Uh -huh. And their their preference is to, you know, relieve themselves of the present moment they happen to be in. Right. And don't we as humans have a responsibility to the rest of them? And that's the big fight. Yeah. Why should I take care of somebody else? Because you're a fucking human, that's why. And that's your goddamn job. But it's something where people just... Uh, yeah, it's really it's, it's crazy and strange just to see how people argue against that. And it's so... To me, it's wrong thinking. It's so inhumane, yeah. Yeah. It's also, I think it betrays a lot of times the person who's saying that. It's like... Well, what what happened to you to make you feel this way about someone else who you don't know? Like something you happened. Know what? People are wired differently, mm -hmm. and it, it 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 there's there's a book called the um, Psychopath Test. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's just the way they're wired. They yeah. Don't, they don't have empathy. They yeah. truly don't have an empathy gene. So it's like if you said to me, "I'd like you to yeah, you'd like to sell me your car mm -hmm. for five thousand dollars." Okay. And we shook on it. And then a day later, you looked at the Kelly Blue Book and you said, you know, it's actually worth eight. And I would say, we settled on five. Yeah. And you go, I know, but we're buddies and <laughs> let's make it eight yeah. or seven. 
And if I was a psychopath, I'd go, no, we shook on it. Now oh. you got one or two choices. You're going to sell me that car for $5,000 or I'm going to sue you. What do you want to do? That's the type of person that exists in a realm that you and I can absolutely not understand. But they live and they exist. I feel like there's a lot of that here in Los Angeles in terms of... Uh, of course, there has to be. I wonder if that mentality is being further propagated because... You read that book by Sebastian Younger, Tribe? I talk about I all the time. It. Okay. You have, you have not or you have? I, I, I'm aware of it, but I haven't read it. I think you'd probably dig it pretty much, pretty hard because it's like he talks about how uh, in a tribal society how stuff like that would be would not go unpunished. If you do something that's inherently um, self-serving and any type of greed, it's a capital offense. Right. You can't you can't hoard resources. Right. right. And so you're, you're not living for the whole. Yeah, you're living now, for yourself. Others would scream socialism. Exactly. And those people, if you ask them to define socialism, they wouldn't begin to understand. Uh -huh. Here's what socialism is, folks. You pay taxes. That's your money. How do you want your money spent for you? Would you like your money spent to give you health care and education? It's your money. Why can't you get it? Or do you want your money spent on a bomb that costs $100,000 that's going to go kill 100,000 innocent people? Think about it. Get back to me with your answer tomorrow. But, but, but! It's, it's incredible. The corruption of the word socialism is ridiculous. You know, socialism comes from... The idea of Karl Marx, who wanted to institute it in an agrarian, or no, an industrial society, mm -hmm. and it never worked. And his idea of withering away the state is something that conceptually people absolutely cannot understand. <laughs> and it would also mean that we have small uh, city-states that are sustainable. Right. That's all gone. So it's an antiquated idea that can't be applied to what is today. Burbank. Burbank's pretty fucking cool. That's why. I, that's why I say now. Burbank's my answer we've, to all stuff. We've like covered that. no ground today. We haven't. We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, okay, I thought. You, gosh, your hat's shading your eyes to the point where I can't oh. quite. Oh, move it. See your uh, expression. So you got anything cool you're working on? I'm doing a bunch of Goldbergs this fall and a couple of the spinoffs of the the show Schooled. What is uh, that? Uh, the spinoff, it happens 10 years in the future from the Goldbergs. Okay. Now, you're talking about a really cool film that's out now is All Creatures Here Below with David DeSmolchin, who I absolutely adore. He wrote it. He stars in it. Um, uh, Schiff directed it. Very small Schiff. film. Adam Schiff? No. Um, I, uh, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't quite remember. But... Uh, it's a fantastic film. It's very dark, but uh, it's intense. Dark is great. And uh, if you don't know David Dismolchin, you should check him out. So you're in this movie, I yeah. assume. He is fantastic. What's your character's name? In that movie? Yeah. No idea. <laughs> It's a movie with no characters. No, no. I'm, I'm sure my character has a name. We shot it two years ago in Kansas City, and I just can't happen to remember it. Got it.
What else, man? Apparently, on Netflix now is a thing called Gnome Alone. Not to be confused with the Gnome movies with Johnny Depp. But the, the other day, movie? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there That's was not... Sherlock Gnomes and something else. Jesus. But I I I done this animated feature called Gnome Alone, and my I was out of town last weekend, and my wife sent me something says, uh, my youngest daughter Eve is seven. Eve thinks she hears Daddy on television, and she does. Yes. That's funny. That's the funny thing about voiceover. Yeah. It's, it's, such a, it's such a trip. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all things you can check out. What about show, any shows coming up that you want? That's all I can think of. Next show is going to be, what day is today? Today is the, I don't know what today is. Okay. Uh, I think my next show is in Rochester, New York. Okay. And then Portland, uh, Oregon. I want to play this because we didn't get a chance to talk about music much at okay. all. You're a huge CCR fan, right? Yes. What is it about CCR for you? Uh, when I was young, uh, it's roots rock, it's straight ahead rock and roll, it's Americana, and I just dug it. It was also, what oh, you were talking about earlier about being, um, you know, iconoclastic a, a kind of and right. challenging authority and all. Uh, that w- they were certainly that was part of their thing. Oh, now, this 100%. Is a, this is a remake of someone else's. Song. Yeah, it's the cover of uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins. Good for you. I do like their turnaround on this, though. The turnaround on this song for me, the only band I've ever heard doing a better turnaround is Booker T and the MGs with Jingle Bells. Wow. This comes coming up here, I think it is. I always miss it, but it's like this perfect little four bar turnaround. Do you play? I used to play a lot. I used to play bass. Here it is, here it comes. Nope. Oh, the turn around. The first solo. Solo number one. This solo is outstanding, too. Yeah. It's like a little withering song. You know, the other... Uh song they have that is a, as a cover. Um, it's the Marvin Gaye cover they do. Um, not, not, um, what's it called? It's a big one. Yes. I can't think of who it is right now. I can't, it's the one from What's Going On? Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, uh, something about making love, um. Shoot, I'm so sorry, audience. It's okay, they don't care. Uh. Here it is. This is it. This is the turnaround. Best turnaround. There it is. That was it. It can be a mystery, Dave. That's cool. DK. Thanks for being here, David. You're going to find it? What if we stop before you find it? Good choice. Your show. Barry's here. Barry Rothbard's here. What's going on? He's gonna find it. We're super close. You're listening to live tape here. My guest has been David Kegner. Dancer, comedian father, construction worker, 
Buddhist philosopher. Senior class Suzy Q. What am I? Suzy Q. Isn't that an oldest writing song? Is that what it was? I don't know. Suzy Q? Is it Suzy Q? What is it? Suzy Q. Is that no. what it is? No, I'm sorry. Heard it through the grapevine. Heard it through the grapevine, yes, which that's, is uh that's that's the one I was thinking. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate your patience, Johnny. Dave, a, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, you greatly. It, it took us forever to get this together, but we did it. We did it. Thanks for being here. Right on, brother. Take care. Bye. Hey. See you around show business. See you around show business. See you, see you in some cool lobbies. <laughs> <laughs> uh.